COVID deaths hit a new daily high. Today is one of the most tragic days we have had yet. The staggering toll and how some are searching for COVID loopholes to salvage the Christmas season. The former Whitecaps women's soccer coach facing charges. It should serve as a wake-up call to everybody. The reaction from one of his accusers. And wasting power during the pandemic. Maybe it's something the industry should be looking into. Casinos have been closed for months, so why hasn't anyone unplugged the machines? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The joy of yesterday's vaccine rollout briefing disappeared pretty quickly today with the release of BC's latest COVID-19 numbers. We have set a new ICU record and tragically a new high for lives lost in the past 24 hours. We have 723 new cases today, bringing our total to just over 40,000. Sadly, we've had 28 deaths, which means BC has now lost 587 people to complications of the virus. 346 are in hospital, 83 in the ICU. Almost 29,000 people are considered recovered, and we're now left with 9,524 active cases and almost 12,000 people in self-isolation. Keith Baldry joins us with more on today's numbers and why officials are reluctant to say where the vaccines are going to be administered. Keith, why is that? Yeah, they're being uh, brought to two distribution points in Metro Vancouver, one in Vancouver Coastal, one in the Fraser Health Authority next week. But the precise locations are not being revealed just yet. Dr. Bonnie Henry making the point they have international intelligence telling them there are people bent on destroying the vaccines or sabotaging them. And she says the police, are work, the RCMP and the military and Canadian Defence are all working to ensure the vaccines remain safe. Here's Dr. Henry. There has been a concerted effort to try and interrupt the cold chain, for example, um, and to sabotage immunization programs. So that's part of it. Um, and we all need to make sure that we are taking appropriate precautions to make sure that um, it is safe and that we can um, make sure that it's not tampered with during that whole process. So a bit of breaking news on this. The Center for Disease Control just posted an update on its maps. People are always wanting to know where exactly is are these COVID cases. Fraser Health Authority is a big health authority. Well, I can tell you in the month of November, Surrey had by far and away the most COVID cases at 6,400. And then another big drop down in Vancouver with just more than 1,300. And Burnaby with just a little more than 1,000. That information on their website today. You can find out exactly how your municipality is doing through the, through the month of November and also during the week of November 29th through uh, December 5th. Again, the same sort of uh, trend is there. Surrey has the most followed by Vancouver, Abbotsford, and Burnaby. A lot of people will be curious. Thanks for that, Keith. Still a lot of confusion tonight over possible exceptions to Dr. Henry's order to stay within our households this Christmas. She warned us not to look for loopholes, so Richard Zussman has the answers to some of this holiday season's most frequently asked questions. From presents to meals, everyone wrestling with how they can celebrate the holidays. When in doubt, rule it out. With rising COVID deaths, overall the province worried any social gathering could lead to virus spread. Even so, families are seeking specifics. Is one household of four and another household of four allowed to isolate for 10 days before Christmas, then join up for a holiday meal? A tentative no. What we don't want is large numbers of people coming together. So if it's you and your sisters and your brothers and their family and their kids, 
that should not be happening this year. That is what is risky. Another common question. Can people in different households gather to eat at a restaurant together or at a bar to celebrate the holidays? The answer, no. How about this common situation? A grandparent has been caring for their grandchild through the pandemic. Can the whole family, kids, parents, grandparents, gather on Christmas Day? The answer is yes, to an extent. The bottom line is we want to, as much as possible, stick with our household. If your household regularly includes your grandparents as part of caring for children, then you can make that decision about that risk to you. One last scenario. A single person wants to spend the holidays with a family unit of four in a different city. Is that allowed? It seems it is. People need to find what they need to do for themselves. And that means if, if it's somebody that you are close with, but it not each of your children, not going to multiple different houses. But Dr. Bonnie Henry's bottom line for Christmas is this. For all its traditions, it's just one day. And skipping gatherings could ensure others live to see more days. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, while the start of vaccinations in B.C. next week has provided hope for many, health officials are reminding us that the end of the pandemic is still far off. Dr. Henry is hoping to have most of B.C.'s population vaccinated by next fall. But as John Waugh reports, many businesses say they aren't sure they can hang out that long. For some, it's felt like an impossible level that never ends. We're going to stand for about 45 seconds. Are you ready? Others, a non-stop uphill climb. And handling the heat of trying to keep this kitchen open hasn't been easy, without knowing when this pandemic will end. Not knowing how long you have to keep going um, with, with new restrictions that make it difficult it is quite challenging. Whether it's Humble Roots Cafe in Maple Ridge digging deep to stay in business or customers just coping one day at a time, all are desperately looking for one thing. A little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Light at the end of the tunnel. A light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. Offering a glimmer of hope. In terms of timing, that means we're looking at the summer into the fall of next year, in my best guess. This is when Dr. Henry hopes COVID-19 vaccinations in B.C. will cover 60 to 70 percent of its population, which could leave this pandemic on its last leg. Much more a social summer, and I think into next fall, we'll get back to some semblance of our normal ways of interacting with each other. For people's mental health, just the mention of a possible end to a pandemic defined by uncertainty makes a huge difference. The promise of a vaccine coming forth in 2021 will make it easier for people to tough out the next few months. For struggling businesses, seeing a finish line doesn't outpace what could be long-lasting financial pressures. The economic consequences of this pandemic will outlast the pandemic itself, which means that we'll have to keep a close eye on job numbers. At Humble Roots Cafe, they know getting to next summer or fall is no guarantee. We've introduced delivery, uh, retail, more grab-and-go, takeout focus items. Still, it's a much-needed light to guide them through the dark winter months ahead. John Hua, Global News. Well, if they gave awards for the most fortuitous business moves, two B.C. entrepreneurs would be a shoe-in. They're about to play a major role in the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. And as Paul Johnson shows us, it's thanks to a decision they made earlier this year. Don't be fooled by the fact you can't touch it for more than a few seconds without getting frostbite. 
This is now one of Canada's genuine precious commodities. We can make up to, I think it's close to about 20,000 pounds a day, is what we're capable of. Paul Thompson and his business partner started Fraser Valley Dry Ice with the intention of supplying the food packing business. Who knew another business model was looming on the horizon? This machine is pretty high tech. Um, most of the productions that we do with it are basically as easy as a touch of a button. Their newly installed French-built machine can produce dry ice in the pellet form needed to store and ship the new Pfizer vaccine. And we're confident they have the capacity to deliver on their new contract with the federal government. Dry ice is made entirely out of the gas carbon dioxide. It's one of the most plentiful compounds on planet Earth, and it's turned into a solid through the process known as deposition. Very useful for keeping frozen foods cool, shipping our new vaccine, or making awesome fog for a heavy metal ship. As the first of millions of doses of the vaccine make their way to B.C., Thompson's pellets will help keep them viable at minus 70 degrees Celsius. Though not their original plan, he's thrilled to be part of a critical moment in history. We feel very excited. We're very happy that we get to be a part of the solution. Just call him Mr. 70 Below. In Abbotsford, Paul Johnson, Global News. The reaction has been swift to Air Canada's announcement that it will suspend all flights to and from Penticton next month. The airline says the decision was made due to low demand and ongoing travel restrictions and quarantine rules. It says it's still carrying less than 8% of normal passenger volumes. Starting January 11th, South Okanagan residents will be forced to travel to Kelowna if they want to catch a direct Air Canada flight to the coast an Okanagan cons, uh, Conservative MP took up the issue in Wednesday's question period. Mr. Speaker, will this Prime Minister do something now? Or is he telling the residents of the area that they should go fly a kite? Because they certainly won't be flying. We'll continue to work uh, with airlines to ensure uh, support and protection of regional routes. In mid-January, WestJet will become the only commercial airline servicing Penticton with daily flights to Calgary. BC's Tourism Task Force is calling on the province to double the dollars available for emergency grants for the industry. As Ted Chernecki reports, it's bid to preserve what's left of the formerly $20 billion sector that's been decimated by pandemic travel restrictions. Before the pandemic, Tourism BC says it employed 160,000 people, generated $20.5 billion in revenue. And while COVID safety protocols have been implemented, until the border with the United States reopens, tourism here will be the shell of what it once was. And that's why BC's new tourism minister is determined. I will drive across the finish line as quickly as possible. Um, to, to make sure that we move on this because, again, we know that many people uh, that were vulnerable were hit um, unfairly through this pandemic. The report recommends the province add at least another $50 million immediately to help the industry survive. It wants government to create a $95 million emergency fund for tourism. 
$5 million to Indigenous tourism. It recommends a safety certificate program to help tourist confidence, and it wants the province to defer or relieve fixed costs like property taxes and utilities. Tourism in BC has actually gotten a lot worse since September. In Whistler, for example, 85% of the rooms are empty. The seriousness and the dire circumstance cannot be overstated. It's easy to um, anticipate that, you know, everybody will stay the route and be able to get back to business as usual. And in fact, that just simply from all the uh, all of the factors that we've seen, all the research we've done, it looks highly unlikely. Even the local tourism, which was part of uh, what would have carried uh, many of our tourism operators through the winter, is not available. Unlike other businesses, there is no pivoting in tourism. YVR has repeatedly said it doesn't expect traffic to get back to pre-COVID levels for at least three years. The pandemic might come to an end, but it'll take longer for confidence to return to the traveling public. As businesses close and laid-off workers try to move on, the question is, will there be a tourism industry to come back to? The report says money is needed now to slow the insolvency. Ted Chernacki, Global News. BC's former Solicitor General says he's very concerned about pictures posted on social media that show a member of Surrey's new municipal police board posing with members of the Hells Angels. The images posted on Facebook show police board member Harley Chapel with full patch White Rock Hells Angels Douglas Doc Riddick and Brent Milne. In a written statement, Chapel, the elected chief of the Semiamu First Nation, says the photos were taken at a funeral in August 2018 and he was posing with friends of his father. Chapel says it's well known his dad had been a member of the Hells Angels but left the group in 1992. The nine members of the Surrey Police Board were appointed by the B.C. government back in June and former B.C. Solicitor General Cash Heed says more due diligence obviously should have been done. We check people that want to drive an Uber car. We check people that want to deliver food to your home. We do the records and the indices checks, but for some reason we don't check police board members. And, and that's, that's very concerning to me, uh, where in fact uh, we expect uh, our people in government to do the due diligence. I uh, met with my uh, deputy minister uh, and my director of police services this morning. Um, I've asked them to look into uh, to the matter and to, uh, to report back to me. Well, more than a decade after he was fired by the Vancouver Whitecaps and Soccer Canada for having inappropriate communication with players, coach Robert Stephen Berarda has now been charged with a series of sexual offences. According to prosecutors, the charges involve four victims and are alleged to have occurred between 1998 and 2008. Catherine Urquhart reports. He's a former women's soccer coach for the Vancouver Whitecaps and Team Canada. Now, Bob Berarda is an accused sex offender charged with six counts of sexual exploitation, two counts of sexual assault, and one count of child luring. News of the charges prompted an emotional response from whistleblower Kira McCormack. What the Whitecaps fans did in walking out of the games, um, it's still something I get emotional about because I don't think this story wouldn't Sorry, I don't think the story wouldn't have happened or that it wouldn't have gotten amplified the way it got amplified without the fans. 
fans staged walkouts during Whitecaps games following a 2019 blog by McCormack in which she alleged abusive behavior and harassment by Berarda. A number of Team Canada players also released a joint statement claiming Berarda had sent sexualized text messages and touched players inappropriately. BC Prosecution Services says the offences are alleged to have generally occurred between January 1, 1988 and March 25, 2008 at or near North Vancouver, Burnaby and West Vancouver. McCormack says the allegations against Berarda were not dealt with properly by the Whitecaps, who released Berarda in 2008. We're really sorry that this occurred. We don't like it. We're losing sleep too. McCormack is calling for a third party to deal with such investigations in the future. These stories are going to repeat over and over again, and I know that I feel very determined to try and stop that pattern and to actually get proper solutions in place, which I think has to be a third party um, overseeing these sorts of things. Bob Berarda is due back in North Vancouver Provincial Court on January 28th. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Police have released new details about the tragic shooting death of a woman in Surrey last week. 29-year-old Lisa Ellie Marie Baines was found dead in a vehicle that had crashed into an alley. It happened near 137th Street and 75A Avenue in Newton, December 3rd. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team says Baines was returning from kidney dialysis when she was shot near her home. Investigators say the case does not appear to be drug or gang related. They say they have identified a suspect and now want to hear from friends or associates who may be able to provide more information. If you are that person that uh, perhaps Ellie confided in, with uh, what she was up to uh, just before her, her tragic death or the kinds of relationships she was involved in while still alive, we need you to come forward. Baines had been working part-time in the medical field as well as being an extra in TV productions such as Riverdale and Supergirl. Vampire power at BC casinos. Thousands of electronic games lit up across the province, still plugged in even though casinos have been closed for months. Why? They're still under power in just over a minute. A sign of the season, the package pinched by porch pirates caught on camera. It's a lot of alliteration later on the news hour. <laughs> you can thank me. <laughs> also, could this be the future of urban living? The developer planning for a touchless experience in biospace coming up a little later. Right now, though, it's hard to imagine a business that's been closed for the better part of a year, keeping its machinery up and running with no one to use it. But that's exactly what's been happening at BC's casinos. That's right. Even though no one has played a game in months, the slot machines are all still powered up. Jordan Armstrong explains why. BC casinos are in their 10th month of being closed, but the gaming machines are still on, sucking up a tremendous amount of power and air conditioning to keep them running, even though no one's playing. Why, why would they be doing that? I have no idea. It does not make sense, no, not at all. In Burnaby, the Grand Villa gaming floor is still aglow. Same with the Park Casino in Vancouver. It's not good for, yeah, for, for Hydra and all that, yeah. So you might be surprised to learn that the casino operators are powerless in this situation. Can I help you? The province holds all the cards. 
and the gaming regulator BCLC has mandated the machines, which haven't been used since March 16th, be kept on. No one from BCLC would go on camera, but in an email said the machines must be left on to, quote, support the long-term functionality and integrity of the devices and systems and required system upgrades. Sources in the casino sector acknowledge a large-scale shutdown could present hardware and software problems, but they also say it's far from ideal for casinos to be spending, in some cases, tens of thousands of dollars a month for electricity at a time of zero revenue. In a statement, the BC Gaming Industry Association says, we believe that the requirement to leave the equipment and systems powered on was based on a belief that closure would not last for an extended period. This environmentalist was shocked. I think it's just unfortunate that those machines can't be shut off, and maybe it's something the industry should be looking into, that you know, in these kind of circumstances, they can shut them off so that we can keep energy usage to a minimum. When it comes to energy conservation, small actions can add up to make... While one difference. BC Crown Corporation preaches power smart, another practices the exact opposite. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Still to come, Indian farmers dig in for the long haul. Why their blockade of the nation's highways is nowhere near ending. And Dr. Henry has some encouraging words for children worried about how COVID could impact Santa Claus. It's an ugly afternoon commute for eastbound Highway 1 this afternoon. Here's a four-car pileup at the Sprout overpass blocking the eastbound left and HOV lanes. Busy from Grandview and another crash east of the Portman Bridge deck blocking the left lane. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside Walmarts and real Canadian superstores throughout BC. For hours and locations, visit sussexinsurance.com. Open every day. One of Canada's largest developers is using lessons from 2020 to help inform its expansion plans. Concord Pacific is revamping four of its projects, including sites in Burnaby, Toronto and London, England, to improve building safety during a public health crisis like the COVID-19 pandemic. Developers are planning for fewer touch points, including touchless entry and elevators that can be called down from a mobile phone, better airflow systems, HEPA filtration, and sliding glass doors on the balconies to allow for extended living space all year round. The Metro Town Burnaby project, along with the Seattle House project in Washington, at your point of entering the suite will in fact have a steam closet. So that as you enter your suite, just inside your suite door, you'll be able to take off your overcoat or other garments and put them in the steam closet. Give it a quick blast and you can kill up to 99% of all bacteria and virus through that. The towers have been redesigned to maximize access to outdoor space, including a rooftop park that'll feature a jogging track, an outdoor pool, a playground, and a dog park. Vancouver is going to delay some measures aimed at reducing plastic pollution for at least another year. The ban on plastic bags and the fee for single-use cups were supposed to take effect in the new year. Those regulations have now been pushed back to 2022 to give business owners who are already struggling under pandemic restrictions a little more time. A public awareness campaign to encourage behavior change and help businesses prepare for the move away from plastic will be rolled out early next year. 
Another reminder not to let your deliveries sit outside your door unattended, especially during the holiday season. An Nanaimo homeowner handed this surveillance video over to the police with hopes it will lead to the return of the package that was allegedly stolen from his doorstep Wednesday morning. The video shows a woman casually approaching the door, picking up the parcel and then leaving with it. If you have any information, please contact Nanaimo RCMP. Police are reminding residents that unattended parcels are very attractive to thieves, even if they contain generic household items like this delivery did. Still ahead, a lot of us seem to be drowning our sorrows these days. I just think everyone's just buying their own booze now and coming home with it. The massive spike in alcohol sales since the pandemic started, still to come. It's busy here for the Portman Bridge check. This is the other problem on Highway 1. We do have the eastbound accident at Sprott blocking two of the four lanes. And here's another crash just after the Portman Bridge check, making your way into Surrey, blocking the HOV lane. Crews are on scene to both. For 47 years, Cremac Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Cremac in your neighborhood. Visit Cremac.com. In Global 1 at the Portman Bridge, I'm Amber Belzer. Momentum appears to be growing for farmers in India who've been blocking key highways for two weeks now. The government is now offering to meet with protest leaders. Nitu Garcha shows us what the solution could be and how music is motivating the movement. From a prayer and protest led by the Sikh community in Vancouver Thursday afternoon and supporters taking to the streets in Toronto and in the UK. An international show of support continues this week for India's farmers as the massive protest mounts over deregulation of the country's agricultural sector. But it's through music, like these folk songs called Bolia, that the spirit of this unprecedented uprising echoes across the world. Songs and uh, poetry that is coming out of these protests, that also makes the moment a little emotional for the younger generation because their grandparents are on the front line. Songs like this one by Vancouver-based Punjabi actor and singer Harpajan Man, who recently refused a government award, represent the resistance and the resolve of thousands of farmers. I felt right now all the energies, every effort, should be dedicated to their, their peaceful protests. See, I've traveled the world. I'm in no places, uh, no place where there's no uh, minimum wages for your job. And despite the government's assurances in writing of a minimum wage called MSP and amendments to the bills in question, farmers camped out near the nation's capital for two weeks now show no sign of turning back until the contentious laws are repealed. We don't have to borrow a model from America and uh, and the European Union. They pushed small farmers out. I remember when Ronald Reagan was the U.S. president in the 80s, you know, his agriculture secretary had made that infamous statement, get big or get out. In Canada also, small farmers have been pushed out. With small marginal farmers making up more than 80% of the sector, some analysts say the Indian Prime Minister may have met his match. I think we need to really come back to a people-oriented model. Why can't agriculture be a powerhouse of economic growth? Because he says it's the power of the people that's proving what's really possible. Chuck, Global News.
Well, it has been two years since Canadians Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor were arbitrarily detained in China. They remain in jail under difficult conditions. But as Global's Michael Couture reports, there could be some progress on the horizon. Despite spending two years in Chinese jails, there are reports that Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig are doing remarkably well. Canada's ambassador to China is one of the few outsiders who has seen the two men, and he says... They're anything but broken men. Adding, seeing how they've endured their captivity is inspiring. Kovrig's wife told the Canadian press that Michael is keeping a strict regimen to strengthen his mind and body, exercising with what little room he has and reading a number of philosophical books. Now, friends of both men have sent shipments of books to the prisons to keep them occupied. I believe he's probably finding ways to make the most of his time. Despite not hearing from Spavor for two years, John Dunbar believes his friend can overcome this. I have faith that if anybody can uh, survive this and come out of it it's still able to smile, it'll be him. Meantime, the political fight to release them continues as Canada has been rallying international voices to speak out against what they call China's coercive diplomacy. Still, at least one former diplomat believes more is needed. Hoping that if we uh, treat the Chinese regime with uh, extreme uh, tolerance, uh, that they will see their way clear to doing the right thing and releasing Kovrigan's favor has not worked. Deputy Prime Minister Chris Sherfielen says the release of the two Michaels remains an absolute priority for this government. And you can bet work continues behind the scenes to finally get them back home. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Ottawa. While many regular activities dropped off during the pandemic lockdown in B.C., one saw a huge increase, drinking at home. A study by the University of Victoria found alcohol sales in March jumped 40% over the year before. And as Kylie Stanton reports, that's raising concerns about the impact it's having on our health and home life. Stocking up one bottle at a time, filling cards while emptying wallets. So it comes to 24, 24. It's a trend sparked by the pandemic and still going strong. People coming in just loading up and because they've got nothing better to do besides to get home and drink, it seems. That tracks with new research out of the University of Victoria's Canadian Institute for Substance Use Research. According to July 2020 sales data, alcohol consumption peaked at about 50 standard drinks per month for every person over the age of 15 in B.C., that's almost two drinks a day, and it adds up. On average, people were drinking about 6.5% more ethanol, you know, pure alcohol, per person. It comes as no surprise here. I, I believe it. Not shocked at all. It's one of the few pleasures we have left. We can't do much of anything else. So. Naturally, liquor stores are reaping the benefits, particularly those privately owned. Comparing year-over-year -year sales, they saw an 18.5% increase between March and July, while government stores rose by only 8%. The difference being attributed to delivery options, often through the use of third-party apps. Booze will appear on your doorstep within sometimes minutes. Mm -hmm. um, it's never been easier. But that's cause for concern. Alcohol consumption already taxes the healthcare system. Add COVID-19 into the mix and the situation could become dire. Maybe we need policies which just mitigate some of that so that we don't have people drinking a lot more than they used to and ideally a bit less during a pandemic. 
Stockwell is advocating for a cap on the amount of alcohol that can be purchased in a day. To remove the minimum purchase requirement, instead institute a delivery fee and up prices. If the consumption trend continues once the pandemic is over, simply put, it will be yet another problem to solve. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Still ahead, Instagram users under the influence. The prevalence of this is so much bigger than even I realized. Scams that suck you in on social media with one that sticks out. And even with no games allowed, high school athletes are still happy to practice. The burning question on the minds of many kids and some grown-ups right now. How will Santa visit all those homes and follow COVID-19 safety protocols? We'll, we'll hear from an expert right after Christie's forecast. Santa's magic, I'm not concerned. If you were looking up into the sky, a clear sky at least, you might see something really quite wondrous over the next little while. And Christy's here with the details on that. Christy. Thanks. Yeah, so pretty exciting. Over the next couple of days, we have a, geo, a strong geomagnetic storm. And that's according to the NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Science Administration. So what this is, is basically the ability for us here in Metro Vancouver to see the aurora borealis. In fact, they could potentially see it as far south as Oregon, which is very rare. And in fact, uh, this storm is so strong that BC Hydro has been preparing for it because these charged particles as they come into the atmosphere could disrupt some of their power equipment. So they're they're checking into that and doing the necessary precautions. All right, so if you want to check it out, uh, the strength of this geomagnetic storm is going to be today and tomorrow, but tomorrow we are going to see clear skies. Tonight, not so much. So make your plans for tomorrow which is perfect friday night best viewing is away from the city lights or over higher elevations all right so let's talk about this chance of rain is going to ramp up pretty quickly here so rainfall overnight and through the morning hours tomorrow it dips off tomorrow afternoon although we still have a chance of showers but the good news is it stays low through saturday in the meantime there you go so tomorrow morning rain we are expecting snow up towards whistler the local mountains and anywhere east of hope and we will continue to see that in through the okanagan valley throughout the day. So Kelowna, I expect two to four centimeters of snow. Kamloops, two centimeters. Lots of sunshine in the far north. It's really these southern regions that will see the snowfall. And for our region, we'll see rainfall overnight through the morning hours. That's why we won't be able to see the aurora borealis today. But tomorrow night, much better chance of that as the skies clear late tomorrow, leaving us with some sunshine Saturday. I just want to point out the next system rolls in Saturday night. Could be cold enough that we have a chance of some snow, but just over higher elevations. There's your central windows weather window of sunrise from this morning. Thank you to Andrew Chin. Looks like the sky's on fire. Sure does. All right, thanks, Christy. Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked today about a concern weighing heavily on the minds of a lot of children around the province these days. How is Santa going to be able to safely come into people's houses to deliver all those presents with all the COVID restrictions we have in place. Here's her answer. I have it on, on very good uh, authority that, you know, he, he's, he's first in line for vaccine and that he's immune to this virus. And we expect that that will be the case by Christmas time and, uh, and that he is able to, uh, um, to do what he usually does. But I will say a couple of things. He's going to be very, very careful and he's going to be wearing masks when he's in houses and he's going to be cleaning his hands a lot and the reindeer are going to be very careful as well. 
The reindeer, of course, will also be wearing masks. You sure. will still be able to see Rudolph's nose through the mask. <laughs> Very but he important. He will wear the mask over his red nose. <laughs> Very important. <Key> mask. <laughs> Wearing <laughs> rules. All right, there's Squire. Well, has anybody got seen that the uh, poinsettia that we brought back to life yesterday? I hope it's still. No, someone stole it because it looked so good. <laughs> All uh, right, what's coming up in sports? A nice work by you, incidentally. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, high school basketball coaches are doing a lot of coaching in practice, but no game coaching right now. We're going through the, the great unknown right now. We we don't have a basketball season at this point in time. They are working out, and as well, they are holding out hope that maybe there would be a short season at some point in 2021. Also tonight, beware of scammers sliding into your DMs. The offers that often turn out to be too good to be true. Might we have some hockey to look forward to in 2021, Squire? Yes, we will. It's looking more and more like it'll be January 13th. That's what they're saying and there will be a Canadian division we still have some things to work out of course but to whet your appetite Canuck fans how about Canuck prospect Nils Hoaglander who uh, certainly knows how to get your attention with a spectacular goal this is from the uh, Swedish League I remember when the Canucks drafted Hoaglander in the second round in 2019 at Rogers Arena and I got on an elevator and Jim Benning was on the elevator at the arena and I said were you happy to get Vasily Podkolzin in the first round? He goes, yeah, but I was even happier to get Hoaglander in the second round. He didn't think he'd be available 40th overall. Anyway, let's take a look at this goal, complete with Swedish commentating. I won't say anything, but I want you to see just how quick Hoaglander is. He goes around the net, steals the puck off the defenseman, then he makes moves. Berggren, and then Hoaglander. Hoaglander, Erik Andersson! Ja, Höglander och titta vad kvick han är. Hur han återtar pucken. Här kommer Nils Höglander! Nej men vad är det han gör? Nej men vad är detta? Han leker hockey! Han skojar med dem! I think that's what he's saying. And a bunch of other things I don't understand. Pretty good goal, eh? Uh, there was a rumor earlier today that the NHL head office in New York was looking into whether it could buy COVID-19 vaccine for all its teens. But that rumor, I should say, was amended later in the afternoon. The NHL apparently is not interested in cutting in line and getting the vaccine before other people because that would upset everyone, rightfully. And I think the backlash would not be worth it for the NHL. Players and teams should be able to isolate and stay safe without jumping the queue and getting the vaccine. Uh, if practice really does make perfect, then there will be a lot of great high school basketball teams in this province because right now that's all they can do, practice. Uh, they might be able to put together a short season sometime next spring if it's allowed, but until then, it's all skills and drills. It sounds like a typical basketball practice, but there's nothing typical about this high school basketball season, which should have tipped off last week. But because of COVID restrictions, the season is on indefinite pause. But teams are allowed to practice, just no close contact or scrimmages. We're forced to work on our fundamentals, our, our ball handling, our passing, our shooting. Uh, we try to run transition stuff, but there's, there is no defense involved, and, and so they're, they're not getting the games. It could be worse. At least there is practice. Sometimes you don't know what you have till it's gone. At least I'm like not at home just by myself. At least I can have conversation with people in person instead of on my phone all the time. 
we're still using this time to work hard and get better and to take advantage of the time we have and um, spend it with, with uh, each other because we're a really close and connected group. That's one thing that can't be understated. Just getting together with their friends, even to practice, means so much to these kids during these trying times. The value of sport is connection and, and being part of something and being and, and I think it's even more meaningful in a situation like this when when the you know the winning and losing doesn't matter at all because it's not going to happen. I think all the girls here have enjoyed just just coming to the gym and, and, and connecting with one another. This is normally tournament time in high school basketball. Heritage Woods holds the Kodiak Classic, which draws 1,300 students into the stands, which makes it the highlight of the season for the Kodiak players. But it was canceled in 2020. Last year, the school had one of its most magical moments ever at the tournament when special needs student Reed DeMello got a special invitation to join the game and promptly did this. And the stands just erupt and people are running out and everybody's celebrating. It was just an incredible moment. Unfortunately, there's a good chance special moments will be missed this season if the schedule's wiped out. I look back on, to, on, on my years in high school and those were those are great memories. And so to not have that grade 12 year is, is, is yeah, it's heartbreaking for them. All right, U.S. Women's Open wasn't going so well for Amy Olsen until this. Yep, on the 16th, an eight iron. That is a one on the scorecard. And from there, she just kept rolling. This is uh, for a bird and the lead at minus four, and she will have the lead after one round. Uh, Brooke Henderson was plus one today, and the other Canadian, Elena Sharp, right here, was four over par. There you go. All right. They're just so good. All right, here's Andrew and now the preview of Global News at 11, Ann. Thanks, Chris. A major police presence near an Abbotsford home this hour. Earlier this afternoon, the emergency response team was called to the 2300 block of Clearbrook Road after reports of a man fleeing a residence covered in blood. The injured man was eventually located and remains in hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Police are asking the public to avoid the area. The road remains closed along Clearbrook Road between Oak and Pierdenville. We'll have more on this story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie. All right, Ann, thanks. Up next, the social media message that could be nothing more than a scam. Stay with us. uncommon for brands like clothing companies to partner with social media influencers trying to sell a product. However, some of the practices are raising red flags. Global's Caitlin Wilson has more on how to protect yourself. Tick, ticks, tickles. For two years, Kara Hobgwax has been taking photos of her children and posting them to Instagram. <laughs> but these pictures aren't just capturing memories. Her daughter Hadley and son Hunter are brand ambassadors. When I first started out, I applied for everything and we were up to 13, but it was just too crazy. In the world of social media, companies use influencers and brand ambassadors to promote their products. 
For brand reps like Hobgawax, it's a chance to build a following and make money, a mutually beneficial relationship, or so it seems. I did get scammed by a small shop. She would say like, oh, your item shipped. Two weeks later, it's like, okay, I haven't heard anything. Oh yeah, it's coming. And then another two weeks later, it's like, okay, it's been a month. The prevalence of this is so much bigger than even I realized. Erica James is a social media influencer marketing expert in California. She says some companies will send out mass messages asking people to direct message them to become an ambassador in exchange for a discount. But she says many of these are not what they seem. The game is that they send it to as many people as they can and, you know, a small percentage will fall for it and that's where they make their money. If anything, a brand should give you the product for free in exchange for, you know, promoting them and collaborating with them. One cybersecurity expert we spoke with says with the explosion of online businesses, it's easy to appear legitimate. What ends up doing is that kind of delegitimizes the entire process and creates trust issues. How can I trust going online and purchasing something? when um, when there's all these scams out there. Unfortunately, it's hurting those small shops that are especially just trying to start out because everyone's afraid. Instead, experts say the best advice for brand ambassadors starting out is pitch to companies you know and connect with influencers. Caitlin Wilson, Global News. Cute kid. Sure is. All right. I've never been hoping more for a break in the clouds over uh, Metro Vancouver here, Christy. Uh, another reminder about what, what we could see in the in the sky tonight. Sure. So tonight we're expecting rain, but yes, tomorrow night the skies are going to clear and it looks like we have a good chance of seeing the Aurora Borealis across Metro Vancouver, even potentially further south. So head away from the city lights or higher up and that's where you have a much better chance of seeing it. Be awesome if we could. That's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night.